Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I am Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For client-focused asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or reach out to me personally. Well, today our show is called Medical Office Today. You know, it's kind of interesting to see how medical office space uh, has transformed over the years and, and office space in general. So we're going to talk about office space design. We're going to talk about campus design. We're also going to talk later in the show about demand uh, for medical office space and cap rates in the investment sales market. Please welcome my first guest. It's Anju Palta. She's with Architectural Designer with the firm of Cooper Robertson, and she's joining us on the phone. Anju, thanks for being with us. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so first of all, if you could talk to us about you know, some of the factors you know, impacting planning and design today of medical practices, I guess, and medical campuses. It's not kind of really the old office uh, campuses and uh, medical office buildings we saw in the past, is it? No, it isn't. Um, you know, one of the biggest factors influencing the planning of urban medical campuses today, which is really what my work has focused on, is growth management. And sometimes a larger question of whether to build new facilities or update old facilities. Um, you know, for better or for worse, changes in technology, care management, um, office management, and often an increase in just the patient population of a medical institution um, has required extensive spatial reconfigurations. Um, so an institution oftentimes does have to build new. Yeah, uh, flexibility yeah. is key, right? So how do you build right. in that flexibility? Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, I think being really strategic from the get-go, you know, we're working with hospitals and institutions right now that have 20, 30-year master plans, trying to really predict what they foresee the big changes being in the future and, you know, what kind of acquisitions and, and development future they have in the, in the areas and the populations they serve. And what are some ways they might be doing that? Or are they maybe potentially looking at when they build a parking deck, maybe building one that can convert to, to, to office space? Are they building buildings and designing them that they can go up further? You know, what, what are some things you guys are doing that uh, might surprise people? Right. So, you know, the camp medical institutions that are in urban centers have the big issue of being landlocked and being subject to extensive real estate. So a lot, of, a lot of the question, a lot of the strategy comes from uh, how do we free up space and how do we uh, maximize operations to reduce the amount of space we need. Um, one thing we've seen a lot of medical institutions do is begin building off-site parking rides for employees. Um, that's meant a reduction in parking demand on campus, so things like um, parking lots, uh, have been reduced to free up more space for future development. Yeah, that makes a lot um, of sense. Yeah, so that's that's been a huge one because parking is a huge space demand uh, required on these campuses. So that, that's been one strategy. Um, another has been limiting the amount of time or average length of stay of inpatients, which has been a general goal of hospitals um, overall because it, it benefits them in many different ways, but it also can reduce space requirements for hospitals. Um, it also means that doctors and nurses can see more patients, 
um, while patients don't have to spend at, um, as long at the doctor or staying in the hospital. Yeah, that, that is so key. My uh, mother was in the hospital recently, and uh, she was, uh, seemed like she was ready to go for a while. It was hard to, to get her out of there, but uh, it's important yeah. to kind of, uh, it's kind of like a restaurant, turn those tables, right? Turn those beds. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's better for the staff. It's yeah. better for the patients. Um, it's better operationally and uh, definitely reduces the demand on space. Yeah. Now, we have listeners all over the country, and so if you're designing a building in, in Manhattan or New York uh, versus San Francisco, what might we see differently? Uh, yeah, so cities like New York and San Francisco obviously have uh, in, in, intense physical limit, limitations on the amount they can grow and, and extreme real estate prices. So oftentimes they have to be a lot more creative than, let's say, of Philadelphia or Atlanta that has more greenfield sites and more access to developable land. Um, so that's one um, one point. The other um, has definitely been uh, another kind of factor that's impacted planning is environmental impacts um, because uh, urban medical institutions are set in dense environments. They really have to think about what is my environmental impact on the greater public and how does that impact public health and population health. And in terms of different cities, that can look a lot different uh, depending on um, city planning, policy, and utility management on a municipal scale. So that, that's definitely something we've also seen as being very different from city to city. And does some of this involve thinking about what type of carpet is used or floor coverings? I guess carpet's not used that often and what type of paints used, uh, small things like that even? Um, you know, as master planners for mm -hmm. the hospitals we work with, mm -hmm. I am sure those things have an enormous impact, kind of a mm -hmm. trickle-down effect. But, you know, what we've really seen is the MEP systems and uh, looking at um, how you can limit the amount of discharge of particulate matter and noise from your MEP systems. Um, how you can look at stormwater systems and improve on-site detention and reduce impervious areas in the open spaces around your uh, facilities. So that, that's really where we've seen the most environmental impact and um, available um, design impacts for being better stewards. Right. Are you seeing any uh, LEED certifications uh, in the medical uh, world? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, there's a lot of incentive for hospitals to do that, um, not only to um, reduce costs, but also um, to show that they are being good stewards and, and looking at the bigger impact of health and the environment, um, not just for their patients, but for the bigger public. Right. Well, Andrew, if you can you give us some advice uh, for working with planners and architects? If you're in the health care world, how can we work with you guys better to to get uh, get to an efficient way to get to a great product? Yeah, I mean, working together is key. Having everybody at the table is key. Um, you know, thinking about how to locate and develop facilities strategically to create multiple benefits for multiple stakeholders is is always important in any project, but especially for hospitals because they touch so many different populations. You know, they have their staff, um, they have their patients, they have the doctors and nurses, 
um, thinking about the multiple um, impacts and, and potential opportunities there are. Yeah, start thinking about that uh, early on, right? What do you, mm -hmm. what do you, and, s go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say also, you know, looking for sites and, and development opportunities that can really prioritize and give open space to these facilities. So looking at potential for green space and, and um, you know, environmental uh, possibilities for reducing pervious cover and um, making sure you're, you're utilizing the stormwater, stormwater management correctly and talking to city officials and becoming involved on the city level early on. Yeah. Yeah, back to my mother again. I was just in a hospital visiting her, and she was looking out her window there in her room and saw a lot of green space and trees, and she even mentioned to me you know, that she enjoyed that, and that made her feel better. And one of the things that I think everyone's concerned about today is rising and construction costs, and how do you make the bottom line work there? How are you guys dealing with that in your space? Yeah, that's, that's difficult. I think you know, looking 20, 30 years out and, and working from the ideal scenario and sort of best case solution and, and trying to work backwards from there and beginning to see the places where you can cut costs and be a little bit more strategic about, about your growth is, is what, what we should be doing, you know, kind of working backwards from best case future scenario. Yeah. Are you seeing people come back to your to uh, to you guys in the overall design of a project and saying, "Hey, once we we price this thing out, it's just too expensive. You know, where can we cut? How can we save?" Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that obviously happens all the time. Um, you know, the things that that we believe in, like public space, green space, public health, population health. Are, are all things we try to push if, if we're over budget or, you know, we can't find the funds. We kind of go back to the mission and fundamental values of, of what a hospital is there to do and um, try, to make, try to make ends meet. But, you know, definitely uh, sometimes going back and having those conversations about what we, what we can cut and what we can, um, where we can find some more dollars or save some more dollars has ended up in some more um, creative solutions, um, which has been great. You know, having to go back to the drawing board and reassess and, and think about a different way to do things is always, always a good thing. Yeah. What about uh, some success stories, Andrew? Who, who's out there? Who's done it right? Um, you know, there's a few institutions that are that are really forward thinking. You know, John, Johns Hopkins has been a really great example of a medical institution that's implemented some creative land transaction and open space design strategies that have really benefited not only the community they've served, but the medical institution themselves. So really have made themselves integral to the community, so they're not going anywhere and there's, you know, no, no competitive edge really, because, uh, you know, no competition because they're really part of the community and have really made themselves a good neighbor. Yeah, that's that's important, and uh, you know we're all going to be visiting these uh, institutions, uh, if you will, uh, with our with our family and, and potentially with ourselves. So it's important yeah. that uh, that they're they're in the environment in the right way. 
So what's the future Absolutely. look like out there? For, you know, it seems like it's a, it's a growing industry. You know, we have the baby boomers still uh, growing and, and, and getting the age where they need more health care. Uh, what's, what's the future look like? Yeah, I mean, I really think um, this reduction in the amount of uh, average length of, of stay at mm -hmm. hospitals, um, basically downsizing, you know, getting as slim and trim as you can get. Um, I think also, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for these institutions, so it's a bit hard to predict what the future holds. But on a broader level, you know, implementing better patient care by, you know, reducing length of stay, like, like we've talked about a few times now, providing more outpatient facilities helps do this. Um, and being in better environmental stewards and neighbors and cities and in urban environments, um, I think that's really the goal of these institutions, to become an essential part of the city and local community. And um, I think if, if that happens, they will continue to be valued and uh, sustainable investments. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, it seems like I'm seeing medical spaces that, that we sell and, and that we visit and uh, do tenant rep here in Atlanta, seems like the uh, spaces are getting nicer and uh, they're more uh, patient focused. So I assume that, yeah. uh, that that's going to continue, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's been a number one priority for the hospitals we've worked in is really in their mission statement looking back to how do we provide the best possible patient experience we can. Um, and that starts, you know, now, that starts on the website. You know, how, how do we get to the hospital? How do, I, how do I understand where my appointment is and who I'm seeing? Um, there's a integrated care management, too, once you get to the hospital. How do we make sure that patients aren't changing rooms three times um, during their one visit? How can we get multiple doctors to one room? Um, also another, you know, that in, impacts space as well. So... Yeah, definitely thinking on a holistic level, how can we prioritize the patient experience um, spatially and operationally? Wow, that's excellent, excellent tips. Well, what tips yeah. would you provide us on the real estate side for, for companies that maybe own medical office buildings or are helping healthcare systems? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, reiterating, uh, locating and developing facilities strategically uh, to create multiple multiple benefits um, for patients and staff. Staff is kind of a, a forgotten piece of the puzzle. You know, how do you make uh, these institutions and the location of these institutions convenient and um, accessible to all of the employees that have to uh, work to make that facility run smoothly? Um, and again, open open the campus up to the community and prioritize open space and, and green space. Yeah. Yeah, that's great tips. And, you know, when you think about the employees, uh, they need to be happy and healthy and uh, and have a great environment because that's who the patients uh, are dealing with. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, these these are competitive institutions. They want to uh, retain and recruit the top talent. Yeah. So I mean, it's important to keep them happy. Yeah, I, very much so. And I think maybe yeah. maybe that's part of the future that uh, maybe will change because we've all had that healthcare experience where we felt like the the providers didn't care that much about us or, or what wasn't as pleasant as we, we'd like them to be and that some of them have very tough jobs and let's face it but uh, 
then we've also had those experience whether healthcare providers are just wonderful and it's a yes. totally different experience, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. They're they're kind of fundamental to the to the experience. They so are. Mind you great information. An piece. Yeah, great information. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And stay tuned, we're going to talk to a broker who sells medical office buildings and get a look at what he's seeing for cap rates and uh, uh, demand for uh, medical office space out there around the country. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial agent success strategies. Incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Bull. The segment is brought to you by Red IQ. Check it out. They turn multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Check them out at rediq.com. Well, today we're talking about medical office today is the name of the show. And my next guest, you may know if you've ever sold a medical office building, let's say in the last 10 years you've bought or sold a medical office building. Uh, his name is Paul Zeman, and Paul Zeman is a partner with my firm at Bull Realty. And his practice is solely uh, focused on selling medical office buildings. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Always glad to be here. Well, Paul, the first thing I'd like to ask you about is, is really cap rate trends, because I think a lot of people out here are concerned about where we are in the cycle and uh, interest rate changes and uh, tariffs and the economy. And, uh, and curious, hey, are, are, where are we on cycle? Uh, on, on not on cycle, but where are we on interest rate trends? You're, you're tracking it every minute of every day. What do you see out there overall? Well, in, in terms of interest rate trends, you know, we, we've been fairly stable. And there was even uh, some talk from the Federal Reserve as recently as yesterday about potentially lowering interest rates as much as another half point by the end of the year. Uh, wh whether that happens or not is, is inconsequential as long as we don't see an increase in interest rates. I believe that cap rates are going to remain where they have uh, for the last several years. Yeah, in the medical office building world, Paul, I know it's specific to each building. In fact, a, a cap rate or value of a medical building can change overnight with the changes in the lease and the competition in the marketplace. But overall, what do you see in trending? Are cap rates kind of remaining stable? Uh, are they rising? Or Well, Michael, you know, I, I track medical office buildings that are over $5 million and to get a, a more clear picture of, of what's going on in any the 12-month average uh, for medical office buildings over $5 million for the last several years has been right at 6.5%, 6.50. I did some research recently, and I have seen that uh, the transactions that have closed so far in the second quarter of 2019 are at about a 6.8 cap, mm -hmm. which is 30 basis points higher than we, we've been seeing year after year. Um, however, uh, that could shake out a little bit differently when the, the quarter is finished and uh, and all of the uh, the transactions hit the books. Uh, 
so it's really nothing nothing to be overly concerned about. Right. And what do you see every day, uh, Paul, as far as uh, demand from investors? Uh, are they still really hot on medical office? You know, the, the demand continues to exceed the supply. And uh, if you're a seller, that's, that's music your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do see um, a lot of folks really stretching and, and trimming their, their profit margins to get into a, an investment of a, of a nice quality medical building. Uh, there's still not a lot of reckless cash out there. People are still being careful what they buy, but the demand is still extraordinary. Right. And speaking of demand, Paul, what do you see for demand from tenants out there in the medical office building world? You know, Michael, that's largely dictated by the overall vacancy rate. And, and I remember a few years ago when, you know, if you could find a market that had a, a vacancy rate of less than 10% or into the single digits, uh, that was also extraordinary. And now we're seeing on a national average uh, about 7.3% in vacancy. Uh, that's certainly going to change as more and more properties are delivered to the market, but there is more demand on uh, uh, from tenants. Uh, and, and as a result of that, uh, we're seeing higher rental rates than we've, than we've ever seen historically. Yeah. Well, you know, it seems to make sense when you look at the demographics and you look at the large group of baby boomers out there demographic-wise. And, you know, they're, they're starting into that age where health care is uh, is. is is more, there's more demand from them, right? Absolutely. Well, Paul, let me ask you this, because uh, I was just talking to an owner who owns a lot of large office buildings, and you know, I lead a team that sells regular office buildings, and 95% of, of those investors, those REITs, those institutional owners, those the private equity, the funds, they that do regular office, they have no interest in medical office. I, I bring that up. They say, no, we're fine with office. What's the deal there, Paul? What, what's up with medical office buildings that keeps people away? Well, th- there's a number of reasons there. And I, I said all along that medical office is really just complicated office. <laughs> uh, there are a lot more uh, moving parts to a medical office building, a lot more uh, rules and regulations, so to speak. Um, if the health system involved, you might have stark laws or stark issues to contend with. Uh, in certain states, you have uh, for surgery centers and imaging centers and cancer centers and such, uh, uh, certificate of need laws, LNR, uh, a, a lot of moving parts. And then as well, when you need to fill a vacancy, the, um, the tenant improvement are typically a lot higher in a medical office building than in a, a, a general office building. Uh, and your audience of who you could uh, market to to fill that space is is quite a bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, so so all that together is what kind of steers clear some of the regular office investors. However, uh, if you have a fund that's set up and medical or healthcare is your expertise and you understand all this going in, uh, it's still still very attractive and, and obviously my favorite sector of commercial real estate. <laughs> that's right. It is very specialized, though, and then I think one of the things that makes it very interesting is is how long these leases uh, tend to be in medical. They seem to be a lot longer than in regular office, and the tenants seem to be real stable. They don't they don't really want to move around, do they? No, they they really don't. And mm-hmm. and you know what's also uh, you know baffles a lot of folks is that typically cap rates on general office buildings are lower than they are on medical office buildings. Um, and I believe that's for a lot of the reasons, especially the, the TI and the difficulty of finding a new tenant if, if one potentially leaves. Yeah. 
And, and Paul, if uh, investors are out there that have some medical office building experience and they want to see more opportunities, you know, how do they do that? How do they get uh, in front of you to, to buy, have opportunities to buy medical office? You know, if I just get a, a basic understanding of their investment criteria, uh, what parts of the country they're looking at, at, at purchasing, um, size, dollars, uh, potentially what type of a return they're looking for in terms of cap rate, uh, I can provide them with the, uh, the right opportunities. And so what do you expect moving forward for medical office building? If you, you know, you've been tracking very closely for many, many years. So if you look forward into the rest of 19 and the 2020, uh, do you expect, what do you expect for tenant demand? And what do you expect for uh, cap rates for MOBs? You know, I'm, I'm still anticipating that cap rates are going to, are going to be right in that mid six range as an average. Uh, I still see the, you know, the off campus, maybe physician sponsored, you know, buildings trading in the, in the low to, low to mid sevens. And I see the, the trophy assets, um, you know, trading in the low sixes or even in the high fives in some cases. Uh, but I, I continue to see the demand, um, increase. I continue to see the sector grow. Uh, I continue to get phone calls from more and more investors that are that are interested in in looking carefully at the space. Yeah, well, it's certainly a great space to look when you consider the demographics, uh, when you consider how long and stable uh, these tenants are, and the type of high credit tenants that you have, and and these types of assets. It would seem to be more uh, recession resistant, if you will, right? That's that's true, yeah. and and the more and more that we see the large health systems acquiring. Uh, uh, large private practices. Uh, we're seeing more and more off-campus medical buildings with hospital sponsorship, and that typically, uh, but not in all cases, means uh, extraordinary credit. Right. Well, Paul Zeman, thanks for joining us, sir. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. Always enjoy being here. Thanks very much. And thank you for joining us around the world or around the U.S. We appreciate you being on the show. Hey, we do like hearing from you. Please connect with us on uh, LinkedIn and on Facebook and on uh, Twitter, and we appreciate you sharing the show and uh, letting us know your comments. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit BullRealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit RedIQ.com.